you for listening in on Tent of Testimonies podcast. This is the official podcast of the Tent of Testimonies International under the leadership of Prophet Dr. Fred Akama and Senior Pastor Maureen Akama. As you listen to this and other amazing sound biblical teachings, our aim is to equip you with the Word of God so that you can grow into an effective believer. In today's podcast, we do believe that you will be imparted with the knowledge of God, spiritual truths, and kingdom principles that will positively affect your spiritual life. Be blessed as you listen, and may you come back with a great testimony. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, everybody. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Now, our justice system, our entire justice system is put on the foundation of the Word of God. Our justice system, the way it is structured, is put on the foundation of the Word of God. In fact, if you look at the Bible, the Bible is not really a religious book. It is us people who have made it religious. When you look at the Bible, the Bible can be classified as a legal book. It can be classified as a legal book. Most of the terms you find in the Bible, they're not really religious terms. We could take them in a religious context, but they're actually legal terms. For example, let's start at the word testament. The word testament is not essentially a religious term. It is a legal term. It, it, it is put in the context of legal transactions. And the word testament also means a covenant. The word testament also means a covenant. So if you go, if you read, if you say Old Testament and New Testament, what you're talking about is Old Covenant and New, New Covenant. But the word testament also means will. It means will. When somebody dies, and before somebody dies, they write a will of what somebody, what their, their progeny or what their kids or what their siblings are supposed to inherit. What their siblings and this um, we, this document is called a will. is put is is given to a lawyer and is called a will. It's called a will or testament. So if you go to any legal practitioner and you tell them to write a will, they will say this is the last will and testament of so and so. This is the last will and testament of so and so. So if when God says Old Testament and New Testament, it means this is the old will of God, and now this is the new will of God. This is the old will of God, and this is the new will of God. In fact, we see this in the Bible, in the book of um, Hebrews, the Bible says, <clears throat> the testament does not come in force until after the death of the testator. A testament cannot come in force until after the death of the testator, which means a testament is a will, and the will is not effective, is not in force, until the one who has written it has died. So long as the one who has written it is still alive, that will is not effective, even though it has been deposited with the lawyers. That will, you cannot get what it is uh, you are supposed to get in the will, unless the person who has written it has died. The book of Hebrews Chapter 9, verse 17 says, For a testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator is, is alive. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 17. So this means a testament is a will, and the will is only effective when the person who has written the will has died. But because God draws the will, you also have to come down to die so that the will he had written becomes, uh, becomes effective. 
the reason Jesus died and because Jesus was God, so that the will he had written becomes effective and you and I become inheritance, become in, in, inheritors of what he gave us. This is why the blood of Jesus Christ is very powerful in prayer. Have you had somebody praying saying, I plead the blood of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus? The word plead even is not um, a religious word. The word plead is found in court. The word plead is found in court. When you go to court, they will ask you, how do you plead? This, this, this word plead is not a normal conversation. <clears throat> this word plead is not a normal conversation. It is found in courtrooms. So when you hear somebody say, I plead the blood of Jesus, any person with a legal mind will know automatically they are talking legal terms. When you say, I plead the blood of Jesus, it means you are in court and somebody has asked you, are you guilty or are you not guilty? Um, in Christians, in spiritual sense, they say that doesn't apply. I plead the blood of Jesus. Why? I'm, not, I'm neither guilty or not guilty. I am discharged not by reason of what I did or what I didn't do. I am discharged by reason of the blood of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So the blood of Jesus Christ of Nazareth is powerful because it proves that the one who wrote the will now is dead. The Bible says the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. In the book of Leviticus, the life of the flesh is in the blood. And if the Jesus gave his blood, it means he gave his life. If he gave his blood, it means he gave his life. So the blood of Jesus Christ is very, very powerful. It's the most powerful, it's the most potent blood in the universe because it shows that the person who wrote the will is now dead. And the proof of death is this blood because the blood, the, the life of the flesh is in the blood. Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11, he says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11. So because the blood of Jesus proves that Jesus died, it, it is the proof that now whatever was written in the will, the will has become now in force. We saw in the book of Hebrews chapter 9 verse 17 that, uh, uh, that uh, the will is not in force until the one who wrote the will has died. So the blood of Jesus proves that Jesus died. And the goodness is the one who wrote the will died, but he didn't stay dead. He resurrected to make sure your inheritance that is given to you by his death on the will is the, the, comes to you because there's an entity. There's a person, there's an evil one that wants to swindle you out of your inheritance. There's an evil one that wants to swindle you out of your inheritance. So the Bible is not a religious book per se. It's a legal document. And the transactions we do in the Bible, they are legal transactions. They are legal transactions and they are recognized and filed in the courthouse of heaven. They are recognized and they are filed in the courthouse of heaven. Now, prayer is not a religious activity. Prayer is not a religious activity. It is a legal activity. The word prayer you will find it in courthouses. When a lawyer is writing to a judge, what the, require, the requests that the lawyers put on their document, they're called prayers. When a lawyer goes to a judge, he'll say, your Lord, my Lord, 
I have several prayers. So a lawyer will only bring two things to a judge. A prayer uh, or a petition. A prayer or a petition. But the Bible says, be, not, uh, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, make your request be known unto God. Said, so bring your petitions before the Lord. Bring your petitions before the Lord. So God allows us to bring our petitions to him, and God allows us to bring our prayers to him. But prayers, they are, um, they are um, not religious things. They are legal activities. So if you present your prayers to God with the mind or that this is a legal activity, then you will know how to have faith and how to receive judgment from the throne of God. You will know how to have faith and how to receive favorable judgment from the throne of God. You should approach God as your father, that is one, but when you go to his courthouse, you should approach him as a judge. You should approach him as a judge. You should approach him as a judge. God is called the judge of all the earth. God is called the judge of all the earth. God is called the judge of all the earth. So in God's courthouse, we find what we really find in court. You know, even earthly judges, they're called my Lord. Have you ever wondered why they call them my Lord and not you, you fellow? They call them my Lord because they are sitting in that place instead of God. They are taking the place of God because it's only God who is allowed to judge. Now, in the earthly level, the earthly realm, God, the judgment has been delegated to human beings. So because they are sitting there instead or in the place of God, people call them my Lord, the same way they would call God. And the judges don't think it's strange to be called my Lord because they know they are sitting in the place of God and they are passing judgment. Some of their judgment can result even in death. They can pass judgments over matters of life and death. So they are sitting directly in the place of God. That's why they have the title, my Lord. So when a lawyer goes to court, they call the defendant and uh, the, 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 the prosecutor is the accuser. The prosecutor is the accuser. Now, the word Satan means the accuser of the brethren. The word Satan means the accuser of the brethren. It means in every courthouse of God, there's a prosecutor, there's a, an accuser that stands to accuse you, to try and, to try and, um, to try and uh, prove that you don't deserve the blessings that God is giving you. To try and prove that you don't deserve the blessing that God is giving you. It's called the accuser of the brethren. The accuser of the brethren. The Bible says in the book of Revelation chapter 12, chapter 12, verse 10, it says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God, day and night has been cast down. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. And I heard a loud voice in heaven, uh, saying, a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God, day and night, has been cast down. It means the job of the devil is to accuse people before God. 
So the devil goes to court to accuse you. And God has to render judgment because God is a just God. The Bible says justice and vengeance are the foundation of his throne. So the foundation of the throne of God is justice. So everybody has to get justice there, even the devil. So if the devil can prove that you legally don't deserve the blessings that God is giving you, then God will have to stop giving you the blessing because God is law-abiding and his, his hands can be tied. Psalm 89.14 says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. So the foundation of God is righteousness and justice. So justice must be God, must give justice if he is to remain God. And if he is to acquit you, if he is to acquit me, then there must be a valid reason why he must acquit us. And that valid reason is called the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So we are trying to prove in this small teaching that the Bible is a legal document. It's not a religious document. So people make it religious and think God will grant their prayers and their petitions because they look very pitiful before God. So they are trying to make God sorry without bringing legal reasons why they must be blessed. So you see people going and crying and, and uh, putting all kinds of watery things and uh, saliva everywhere and thinking God is moved by this. God is not moved by emotions. The Bible says without, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So whether there are so much emotions everywhere, if faith is absent, God is not pleased. Whether there's so much emotion, you, took, you take sackcloth, you put on your back, there are people who try to beat themselves with cane, they try to cut themselves so that God will feel sorry. God is not moved by emotions, he's not man. He's moved by faith, and faith is predicated on what you know. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he exists and is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So the Bible is a legal book. God is called the judge of all the earth. Jesus in heaven is our advocate. Another name for advocate is called lawyer. Jesus, the Bible says he's our advocate, he's our lawyer. He's in heaven as our lawyer. So when you are going, you are approaching Jesus in heaven, you must approach him as a lawyer. So you cannot go to a lawyer with tears and you must go with facts. Jesus is a lawyer. And for, the, for your lawyer to argue your case effectively, you must go with facts. You must go with facts. You cannot go there with, with the tears and drama and the pitiness and what. The Bible says, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, the man, the, Jesus Christ the righteous. So we have an advocate in heaven, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's our advocate. He, he advocates for us. The Bible says he appears for us in heaven. The Bible says if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Listen up. Because we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, you must approach God the same way you'd approach a court. 
you must approach God the same way you'd approach a courthouse. You must approach, you must take Jesus as a lawyer. People say Jesus appears before the Father for us. The word appear doesn't mean to come out of the, uh, the blues and psh, you have appeared. No, the word appear is a legal word. It is what lawyers do when they go to court. When a lawyer goes to court for you, in legal terms, he said he has appeared for you. When a lawyer goes to court on your behalf, he appears for you. Appearance doesn't mean you are, he was not existing, boom, we have now appeared. No, 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 no. Appearance is a legal term. It means there's a lawyer, who has, your lawyer has gone to court for you. When you know this, then your prayer, your prayer life changes. And then you have faith because your prayer life is based on spiritual legality. Your prayer now is based on spiritual legality. We make our prayers in the name of Jesus. What does it mean to pray in the name of someone? This is called the power of attorney. The power of attorney. The power of attorney means somebody has given you a legal right to sign their name on this thing you're asking for. So when you say in the name of Jesus, in the heaven, the name that is signed is not yours, it's Jesus's. And you know, the Father has never denied Jesus anything he has asked. This is why Jesus is very important and central to our faith. So if you're there and you're saying, oh, I am a good man. I don't believe in Jesus, but I'm a good man. I don't believe in Jesus, but I do good. I don't believe in Jesus. You can only approach the Father through Jesus. Because we make our prayers. We go to court. Our legal standing in court is guaranteed only by Jesus. So any belief system, any faith system that leaves out Jesus immediately cuts you off from your legal standing in court. The Bible says we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So your lawyer in heaven is Jesus. It's Jesus. The Bible is not a religious book. Prayer is not a religious activity. These are legal transactions. And if you know this, you will come and reason together with God. God says, the Bible says, come let us reason together. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 to 3 says, My little children, these things are right to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So Jesus Christ is our advocate. The word advocate means lawyer. When you approach God, Approach God with a legal mentality, not a religious mentality. You see, the Apostle Paul was a lawyer. He knew the law. That's why God could use him a lot, because he understood legalities. And he understood how to, use, how to approach God. 
A lot of other disciples were fishermen, they were this, they were that. So even Peter said some of the things our brother Paul has written, they are hard to understand. So Peter, Peter realized, man, this man is writing difficult things. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 says, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. So the Lord is saying, come, I want to reason with you. A lot of people read this and hear, come, let us cry together. They hear, come, let us wail together. Come, let us roll around together. No, no, no. It says, come, let us reason together. So God is looking for reason. In fact, in another place in the Bible, it says, bring forth your strong arguments. Bring forth your strong arguments. So God says, give me a reason to do what you're asking me to do. God doesn't just do things because he's God. Or he doesn't just do things because you need them. God is not moved by emotions. Neither is he moved by need. If God was moved by need just because people have need, then all the people in the poor areas and what, the, those who are suffering would be, God would just move immediately. But he doesn't move by, he's not moved because somebody has a need. He's not moved because somebody has brought in emotions. He's moved because somebody has put faith on the table. Somebody has put faith. Isaiah 41, 21 says, Produce your course, said the Lord. Bring forth your strong reasons, said the king of Jacob. Isaiah 41, 21 says, Produce your cause. Come to court, produce your court. Bring forth your legal arguments. Bring forth your strong arguments, Isaiah 41, 21. Second Peter 3, 16 says, He writes the same way in all his letters. So Peter was talking about Apostle Paul. Speaking, them, speaking in them of this matter. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand. So Peter acknowledged. <clears throat> Peter acknowledged. Because Apostle Paulus had the legal mind. Some of this stuff he's writing is difficult to understand. Which ignorant and unstable people distort. As they do other scriptures to their own destruction. Second Peter 3.16 So today we are changing the manner in which we pray. We are going to the courthouse of God. We are going to the courtroom of God. We are going there to present our prayers, to present our petitions, because God is a judge. And in that courthouse, we have our lawyer, our advocate. His name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He's advocating for us. He's on our side. Now, when you go before God... Before you get there, when you are presenting your case, you must give something called legal precedence. Legal precedence. Legal precedence is a similar case that was brought in a courthouse, in a similar courthouse, and a, similar, a judge with similar jurisdiction judged on it and gave a judgment in a particular direction. This is called a legal precedent. It means this case, this is not the first case of its kind. There have been such cases before involving other people and other judges in jurisdictions that we recognize. And those judgments were in this manner. Since my own case is similar to those, and since you are a judge of similar standing, I would expect you to follow the other judgments that have been given in their direction, the way they were given. This is called legal precedent. 
This is what a Christian does when he goes before God and says, Oh, God of Jacob, the way you did for Jacob when he was in trouble, he was about to be slaughtered. When you did for Jacob, when the, the Laban swindled him ten times, when you did, the, the same way you did for Abraham, when Abimelech the king was against him, the same way you fought for the children of Israel, when they were surrounded by their enemies, the same way you did this and this, the same way you separated your children of Israel in Goshen, when the children of the Egyptians were having calamities, you will separate me today. What are you saying? There's a legal precedent. Lord God, you are a judge. You have faced this kind of case before. And this is how you judged in that case. In the case of Esau versus Jacob, you judge like this. In the case of Abraham versus Abimelech, you judge like this. In the case of um, the children of Israel versus the children of Egypt, you gave them light when Egypt was in darkness. You gave them food. In the case of the famine of Elijah, you judge this way. Since my case is similar, and I'm also a child of God, and I am coming to you the same way that one came to you, as a, as a God and as a consistent judge, I expect, given the legal precedent I have presented, you will judge in this and that manner. This is called legal precedent, and it is a great booster of faith. Because you know, God is a consistent judge. He will not judge in your case different from what he has judged in the case of others. This is why the Bible says God is no respecter of persons. This is legal precedent. God has no favorites. He is no respecter of persons. God is no respecter of persons. Anywhere somebody places faith on the table, the same way another one had placed, they get the same results. God is no respecter of persons. If you do what somebody did, you will get what somebody got. This is the basic principle of faith. You know, if I do it like this, I will get it like this, because God is a consistent judge. So before you take your petition before God, check what legal precedences are in the existing concerning this matter. What legal precedences are in existence concerning such a matter? And go with them before God. That's why you quote the word of God back to him. Because the word of God contains the legal precedences of what God has done before in similar cases. Acts chapter 10, verse 34, Apostle Peter was saying, I now perceive that God is no respecter of persons. God has no favorites. If you do what another one did, you will get what another one got. My talking. So today, we are changing our perspective of prayer. And we are going into the courthouse of, courthouse of God. What is this courthouse of God? The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, we have come to Mount Zion. We have come to Mount Zion. We have come to Mount Zion. So the courthouse of God is Mount Zion. We have come to Mount Zion. What is this Mount Zion? 
we have come to Mount Zion. What is found within this Mount Zion? It says we have come to Mount Zion. This is Hebrews chapter 12, starting from verse 22. We, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, the innumerable company of angels. So you have come to the city of the living God, to heavenly Jerusalem, to a innumerable company of angels. And it goes on to say, and to God the judge, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. So this Mount Zion is the church. So the church where you're going to, either tonight, today, tomorrow, whichever day you go to church, the church that you're going to, that is Mount Zion for you. To God, the judge of all. So when you go to that church, you'll find God. And when you find him there, he's a judge. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23. He's sitting in Mount Zion as a judge. And whom do you find there? To the spirits of just men made perfect. Who are these spirits of just men made perfect? The Bible calls them in another place a cloud of witnesses. Witnesses are those who give a testament, testimony of what has happened. So there are spirits there. The Bible calls them a cloud of witnesses. And they are there to give testimony of the judgments of God. Then it says, you have come to Jesus. Hebrews 12.1 says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Who are these witnesses? We find them in verse 22. It says, they are the spirits of just men made perfect, verse 23. Then it says, you have come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. So Jesus, the mediator, is the advocate of the new covenant. So when you go to God, you need to know you have a, an advocate. His name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the mediator of the new covenant. It says, you have come to the blood of sprinkling. You have come to the blood of sprinkling. Then it says, this blood is speaking. He's speaking better things than the blood of goats. So the blood of Jesus that is being sprinkled in this courthouse is the one setting you free, is the one making sure you're not guilty. Now, when you go before God and you go to a courthouse, there are two kinds of prayer. There's a prayer you make before God in his courthouse. This prayer gives you what you call a court order. God doesn't answer prayers. God always gives court orders. Just like a normal judge would go. He would give you a court order. But when you collect a court order, there's a second level to prayer. This is not prayer now being made before God. This is a prayer being made now to your mountain. The Bible says, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things he said will come to pass. He shall have those things that he has said. So a lot of Christians pray to God and get court orders in court, but they don't serve this court order to the enemy. If you have not served the court order to the enemy, the enemy will not move even though you got a court order. It is your responsibility to collect the court order that you have carried and go to the enemy and serve it. You must serve the court order to the enemy, showing I've been to court, I've collected the court order, I am now serving it to you, I command you to move in the name of Jesus. If you don't serve it to your enemy, the enemy will not move. So this morning we are going to pray. Mark eleven twenty three, Mark chapter 11, verse 23 says, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says should be done, he will have whatever he says. Mark eleven twenty three. 
So you go to court, God answers your prayer and says, I agree with you, here's your court order. And then you go and stay with that court order in the house and things don't move in your life and you wonder, but I've been praying to God. Why are things not moving in my life? It's because you have been collecting court orders, but you have not been serving these court orders to your enemy. This morning we are going to serve this court order on our enemy in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Jesus Christ of Nazareth has put in his body people, enforcers, yes, officers, who can enforce every court order that you've been receiving from the throne of God. These officers are called the gifts of Jesus. The Bible says when Jesus ascended, he, he also descended and he gave gifts unto men. He made some to be apostles, prophets, uh, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the edification or for the building up of the saints. So when Jesus went to heaven, he left his gifts here. We have heard about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but Jesus Christ also gave gifts. These gifts are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. These are enforcers who come to enforce every court order that you have received from the throne of God. I am one such encounter. And today, this is the book of Ephesians, chapter 11, chapter 4, verse 11 to 13. And he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I am sent today carrying an anointing of Jehovah to enforce every court order that you have received from the throne of God. I want you to touch that script as I pray for you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I rebuke every disease. I take authority over every disease. I take authority over every... If you're sick, place your hand on the place where you're not feeling well and place your another hand on the street, on the screen. I'll pray for you right now. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, wherever you're watching us across the country, let every disease be, be gone. Let every yoke of the enemy be broken in the precious name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I command the pain to disappear from your system. I command that headache to go. I command that cancer to die in the precious name of Jesus Christ. I command that shoulder pain to disappear in the precious name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I see somebody have an issue with the varicose veins, but the problem is the varicose, they, they, they pain you. They bring pain and you get quick, you keep getting muscle pull. You're now healed in the precious name of Jesus. I command healing upon you in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I command healing upon you right now in the precious name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Wherever you are, I open your life. Let your finances align up. Let your star begin to shine. Let your star begin to shine. Let your star begin to shine in the precious name of Jesus. Let your star begin to shine in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Every delayed payment, I release them by the prophetic action in the name of Jesus. Let every delayed payment be released by prophetic action in the name of Jesus Christ of none. I open your life wherever you are. Everything you set your hand to do, it shall prosper from this day forward in the name of Jesus. Whatsoever you set your hands to do, I command it to begin to prosper in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. If you are not born again, you are not in the kingdom of God. There's no neutral ground. I want you to pray this prayer after me. If you want Jesus Christ of Nazareth to be your Lord and Savior today, say, Father in heaven, I come to you. Lord God Jehovah, I acknowledge you are the God of the Bible. In the name of Jesus, I realize that I'm a sinner. I need salvation. I ask you today, wash my sins away by the blood of Jesus. Let the death and the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, be my portion today. In the name of Jesus Christ, I reject the devil. I reject sin. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I believe you. You are the son of God. You have died for me. I ask you today, come into my heart. Be my savior. Be my Lord. Be my redeemer. 
I confess with my mouth what I believe in my heart, that from today I am born again. I am a child of God. I am a new creation, now and forever, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Shalom. We'll see you next time. In Jesus' name, God bless you.